Let's now turn to the book of John. The book of John, chapter 8. And we're going to read two verses in there. At least this many. Two verses, uh, verses 31 and 32. As you turn to John chapter 8, verses 31 to 32, if you could please stand to honor the reading of John 8, 31 to 32. <clears throat> and it does say this in John 8, chapter 8, 31 to 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you remain in my word, then you are truly my disciples. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. God bless and honor the reading of his word. And you may be seated. The truth shall set you free. I love that statement, and I've heard it many, many, many times in many areas. The truth shall set you free. I played games growing up, many of them, before video games were a popular thing, even then. I played board games, one of them being Clue. You remember Clue? I'm sure you do. I'm sure one of your favorite characters, at least one of mine, was Colonel Mustard. Because I always loved Mustard. And uh, before I had uh, acid reflux and such, <laughs> Colonel Mustard and all those others, and you remember all those crazy characters. Colonel Mustard, where did he do that at? Well, he did that with a knife, and he did that in the uh, library or whatever. You know, you remember the show. Okay, and then there's uh, other games like Guess Who. You remember that game, I'm sure, as a kid. And there's characters on that. In Sunday school, through church, we learned about, uh, throughout the years, we learned about different games and different things. We learned about characteristics and characteristics that we have in, in the in our life characteristics that we have. We learn to know the Bible and people who are in the Bible. We learn this throughout the years, throughout church. People in the Bible, people that we know in the Bible. Maybe you was able to relate with people in the Bible. Maybe you still do. Maybe not. Maybe you've learned to relate with people, and I could go through names right now. Daniel, David. Maybe the women can relate with Sarah. Maybe not. Maybe they find that as an insult. But I don't think they should. But perhaps we could relate with Rachel or Rebecca. Maybe there's people in the Bible you can relate to. Maybe not. Maybe there are people that you can connect this part of that person or that part. And we should. There are specific people we should be able to relate to in the Bible. I know I do with specific ones. Some of them have our names. Maybe we're a, they're the name bearer that we were named after. And maybe, I, I can guarantee you, there's no one, no gal here today named Jezebel. It shouldn't be. <laughs> or Delilah. I've met women by the name Delilah. I'm saying, why? <laughs> but anyway, you know, I can guarantee there's no Adolfs in this world for very good reasons. But that being said, uh, we have named people who are named in the Bible, specific people we're going to talk about today, uh, people who were known as disciples. Now, there are lots of disciples in the Bible, by the way, lots of disciples. Disciples are followers, followers and specific people. There are disciples, even today, disciples who follow different folk. But in the Bible, there were disciples, specific disciples. But mostly we're going to talk about disciples who were disciples of Jesus, disciples of John the Baptist, and then they would go to follow Jesus Christ. Today, there are many disciples of Jesus Christ. Perhaps you're a disciple of Jesus. I hope you are. But when we speak of disciples of Jesus Christ, 
people that we can connect to were mostly speaking of the 12 apostles. They were more than just the disciples, but also apostles. And there are apostles even after that, a few, one of being Paul, who we know of. But they were disciples. These disciples, apostles, by the way, there are even disciples who we don't even know the names thereof. But we know there are many, many, many disciples, even some who people don't associate with or they don't talk about because they were disciples besides the 12. But we're going to talk about the 12 apostles, disciples today, which is why I'm wearing this wonderful, beautiful tie, which we have a painting of here in the church behind that door back there. This is from, I almost said Leonardo DiCaprio. No, it is not. It's from Leonardo da Vinci. Uh, that's a painting from him. Isn't that nice? I'm not going to hold it like this the whole time. I promise you that. But this is a wonderful tie, which is the painting of Leonardo. Now, when I hear Leonardo, I think of a few. And I even think of a turtle, a ninja turtle. But I'm not going to talk about that today. I'm simply going to talk about the 12 disciples, the apostles. And we'll go through them here in a minute. We can look at the 12 disciples or apostles, and there are many, many, as we said before, followers, believers, and we can look at their characteristics today. We're going to look at the characteristics of the 12, and we're going to look at their personalities and their jobs. Now, I'm sure there are many here today who have the 12 apostles, the disciples. They know their names. They know them well, and there are some who maybe don't. Maybe they get confused by them. I taught the children, even at an early age, one of them being here today, who is now an adult, a wonderful adult man, He's the one who looks a little bit like Willie Nelson sitting up here. And his name is Sam, Sam the man. I taught him with many other children, including your children, Justices, back here. And that was Jesus called them one by one. This is to the, to the tune of Jesus loves you. You know, Jesus loves me. Jesus called them one by one. Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Next comes Philip. Next comes Philip, Thomas too, Matthew and Bartholomew. Yes, Jesus called them. Yes, Jesus called them. Yes, Jesus called them. He called them one by one. By the way, there's more than one James. James, the one they called the less. Simon, also Thaddeus. Twelfth apostle Judas made. Jesus was by him betrayed. Yes, Jesus called them. Yes, Jesus called them. Yes, Jesus called them. He called them one by one. So I memorized it, and that helps me. So we're going to go through these 12 apostles real quick. The first one, Simon Peter. Simon Peter, everyone knows, he was the one who, Simon Peter was a fisherman. He was not just a fisherman, though, and his brother Andrew, by the way, my middle name is Andrew. I was halfway named after Andrew, and I'm, a, I'm proud of that, uh, probably because I smell as bad as fish. But he was also a fisherman. But that, and I'm sorry if I do, but that being said, they were both fishermen. But Peter was also known as being hot-headed, boisterous, and he was hot-headed and boisterous. And I want to explain this. When you think of a hot-headed, boisterous man, wives, I know you're looking at your husband right now saying, see, but here's the thing. It's true. Peter was hot-headed and boisterous. He was also humble. He was also impulsive. These things happen, and they're true, very true. But the same with Andrew. He was a fisherman. He could be boisterous and all these things in the beginning, but he was also something that was known as open-minded. He was very open-minded. That's very true and very good. He was the one, the very first one that heard Jesus Christ. He was an apostle, by the way. Andrew was an apostle, but not just that. He was a disciple of John the Baptist. He was the first one who heard Jesus and he said, hey, he went to his brother and said, hey, Simon, I, that was, that's Peter's full name, Simon, his first name. 
He said, I just heard this man by the name of Jesus. He's the son of God. He's the one we've been waiting for. Let's go and let's follow him. And that's what happened. We'll get into that here in a minute. But then there's another one, the other, two other fishermen who worked with them. One by the name of James. James was also a fisherman, and John was too. And they were both known as being hot-headed. That means temperament. We know about that. We probably have had that ourselves. James, known as being hot-headed and fanatical. Wow, these poor guys. Think about this. They have that reputation. Let's follow them. Fanatical. That can be a bad thing, but don't worry. We're going to get to this in a moment, what they're also known as. John, being fanatical to a point, he was known as being passionate. That can be a bad thing, being passionate, overly passionate, but we're going to get to this in a moment, what his passion can be as well. James and John were known as being the sons of thunder. Sons of thunder. Does that mean their dad was Thor? No, no, that's not what that means. Their, their dad's name was Zebedee, but that doesn't mean that their dad's nickname was, was Thunder. Hi there, Daddy Thunder. No, no, no. doesn't mean that. It means they were hot-headed. Like we said before, they had a hot temper. But boy, how could Jesus Christ use these hot-tempered men? Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Then there's Philip. He was possibly a fisherman because he was good, good friends with these folks. But he was very inquisitive. He was very, very curious. Very, very curious. Uh, Thomas. We get to Thomas. He was known as being pessimistic. He was a doubter. Well, we know that poor man. By the way, he was also courageous. Why do we say that? Because at one point in time, these people were coming to him wanting to hurt Jesus and others, and he was ready for a fight. He was ready to step out, step out and to protect Jesus Christ. And I want to make that clear because I feel bad for, for poor Thomas for always being thought of as the doubter. He doubted everything, but he didn't doubt the fact that he was going to protect Jesus Christ. I want to make that for certain, for, for sure. He was pessimistic. Maybe maybe you're like that sometimes, pessimistic. Oh, I don't know. I just don't know. Well, that was, that was Thomas, the doubter. He needed proof. Mm. Are you that way? I don't know if you can tell by, by the looks of me. I, uh, I don't need the proof of my pudding before I eat it. Did you know that? The proof is in the pudding. You can tell by looking. The point is this. The point is, is that Thomas was a doubter. He, he was pessimistic. Maybe you're pessimistic. Matthew, whose also name is Levi. This is why sometimes in the Bible you'll see Levi, Levi, Levi. That's Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. Remember that this time of year. <laughs> you go to find your Matthew, your Levi, your tax collector, different kind of tax collector. But he was. He was humble. He was very humble. Remember that about Matthew. He was a humble man. By the way, I have a brother by the name of Stephen, Matthews, his other name. Matthew, who, by the way, as we all know here around this area, he is the uh, chief of police. He's a humble man. My brother Matthew was aptly named uh, because he is a humble man. I appreciate that about him. He's humble, just like this man. Bartholomew. We might, a lot of people don't know Bartholomew. They don't know a lot about Bartholomew. Did you know Bartholomew, uh, who's also is known as a Nathaniel, he is very composed. He keeps himself together. I'm a little jealous of that, to be honest with you. <laughs> but he was very composed. Then there's James the Less. That's James the Younger, they also call him. He's the younger of the James. But Less doesn't mean the lesser of a man. It just means younger. James the Less was very quiet, very meek. He was a very meek man. Maybe you're that way. I happen to know a few of you here who are meek, quiet. You probably don't know this about me. Because you know at one time in my life, I was quiet and meek. You're saying we miss that thing. The fact is, I was shy. I was very shy when I was very, very young. Yeah, I saw you shake your head, Sister Barb. 
I saw you shake your head <laughs> when I was very, very, very young. Little Freddie just now got up there and sang. First time I got up to sing, I bawled. I didn't do it in front of everybody. I did. <laughs> but I, I did, however, cry. I had tears come down. I was so shy and nervous, I couldn't get up in front of anyone. First time I taught, I was shaking, and I started to, to have tears come down of shyness. I was that way first time I preached even. I started shaking, and I, you all wouldn't know. I was so terribly shy and meek, and God had to break me of that. I was so scared all the time. God broke me of it. And you guys, I know, are missing that part of me. But, but the point is, I'm quiet a lot. Mom can tell you, I'm in the basement quiet very, very often. And you just don't see it. But I'm, I have a lot of meekness in me. But God had to, to break me. There's also Simon. Simon was a zealot. What is a zealot? That sounds like someone has an illness. Well, a zealot, uh, someone who's very zealous, has a lot of zeal, but not in a good way. He had strong, he was very strong-willed. Maybe you're a strong-willed person. There's some good in that, and there's bad in that, too. In this case, originally, he was a zealot, a zealot or a zealot. He was zealous. He was a radical, an extremist. He was prejudiced. He was a bigot, to be honest about it. He he was a hate monger. Boy, Philip, you're really building up Simon. Well, the fact is, he was an older man, but he wanted to overthrow, because this is what a, a, a zealot was. They wanted to overthrow the Roman government. These people were made to believe that the Romans were all evil. And you got to understand, they came in and overtook everything. They wanted to overthrow them. And right there with them was Thaddeus. Thaddeus, he was also known as Jude or Judas, not the same Judas, so you might be thinking. Judas, he was a zealot. Judas the zealot, he was also known as. He was enthusiastic and intense. Boy, these guys, they sound like real lovable guys. Think about that. They were intense. They wanted to overthrow the Roman government. Why would Jesus pick these people? We'll get to that in a minute. And then there's Judas. He was the money keeper, the treasurer, really good at that. He was also selfish and greedy and a traitor. But we're going to get to all this. There were many, many more disciples, and these characteristics you may recognize in yourself, some of them. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Maybe you, too, at times can be a hot-headed, loud-mouthed, cursing, denying, big-headed doubter. Or maybe you're calm, peaceful, persuader, open-minded, tender-hearted, just like these people, and you're a follower and a listener of the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you're a you traitor, you're a traitor, I don't mean a traitor, but a traitor, and it, uh, tempted at times. Those times come, you're, you're tempted to go to the ways of the flesh to follow Satan, in other words, because that's what happens when we give into the flesh, we follow the devil. And his temptation. Maybe you're that way. Or perhaps when you're tempted to do so, you want to. Maybe you do sometimes. Maybe you don't. Maybe you, instead of going into the ways of the flesh, you go into the ways of the Holy Spirit. It's not a uh, sin to give into temptation. Excuse me, to be tempted. It's a sin to give into temptation. It's not a sin to be tempted. It is a sin to give into temptation. You know, you are tempted daily. By the devil I know I am maybe I'm all alone I doubt it you know I'm tempted at times to scream yell curse go off on people become fleshly give in to temptation of lust give in to temptation of gluttony give in to temptation of gossip give in to temptation of all these things I'm tempted in these things just like these men 
I'm tempted to be like Simon Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Thomas, Matthew, Bartholomew, James, Celeste, Simon, Thaddeus, and Judas. I'm tempted like I'm sure you are too. And you may have characteristics just like the rest of these people did and do. But here's the thing. It's not a, a sin to be tempted. It is a sin to give in to these temptations. Maybe you have these things. Maybe you don't. But I know that if you give in to the temptations, that is the sin. But notice that if you are overcome by them, that is where it becomes wrong. So let's take a look at some of these things. The hot headed, loud mouth cursing, denying, big headed doubter. I have been these things. Oh, I have been these things. I have also been calm. I have been peaceful. I have been a persuader to keep people away from these things. I have been open minded and tender hearted. So let's talk about being a follower, a listener, and a, to follow the Lord God. In John 12, 26, we're going to go to John and Luke right now, and James and those things, but right now we're going to go to John. John 12, 26. For it says this, If anyone serves me, and this is Jesus, by the way, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there will my servant be also. There my servant will be also. Follow me, go with me. There my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Then there's Luke. And I'm going to go into Luke here, and I'm going to go in, in order with these three places of Luke. One will I'll be turning to my Bible because it's a little bit longer, but Luke 640. We're going to go Luke 6, then Luke 9, then Luke 14. But in Luke 640, it says, The disciple is not above his teacher. Oh, ooh. The disciple is not above his teacher. That's important. You ever, hey, Heather, you're a teacher. Did you ever have a student, and you don't have to answer, but I'm assuming you've had a, te a student who believes they know more than the teacher. Now, I'm sure there are kids who know more than teachers at times of certain issues, depending on the situation, but whatever the teacher has trained and knows, and knows well, has known for years and years on earth, knows more than the student, for pity's sake, a little 12-year-old student or 14-year-old student or whatever, they, don't, they know more than the teacher about what the teacher has gone to, to school for, college for, and everything else. I'm assuming the teacher knows more. But especially the Lord God, Savior, Jesus Christ, of course he knows more than us. Of course he does. Of course God, what, God knows more than me. Yes, God knows more than you. Who are we to doubt the Lord God? Do we doubt the Lord God? God didn't write the Bible. He wrote it through the men and women. He wrote it through these people. He wrote it through them, through the Holy Spirit. Yes, he did. How can we trust these people, folks? We can trust it, and we can trust the people that wrote it again through the Scripture. There has been more, more than one, more than a hundred. Can you? Are you kidding me? There have been so many ministers, preachers, and others who've gone over it again and again and again and again and again and again. There are so many scholars and writers who have made sure that they know that this is true. So when you have doubters who are doubting this word, it's because they're doubting the Lord Savior himself. And it's Satan who's trying to put the doubt in their mind in the beginning. That's why. Believe me, I've studied it myself, and so have many other pastors, ministers, 
preachers, worshipers, believe me, there's many people, yes, I know, there are people who try to change the word, but the truth of the truth of the truth is there. The Holy Spirit is the one that led it and guided it. So it says in Luke 6, 40, the disciples not above his teacher, but everyone who is trained will be like his teacher. Listen, Jesus is living in you. If you're following the Holy Spirit, which is of God, which is a form of God, if you're following the Holy Spirit, you're following the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be more like Jesus, the Lord God, and not like the world that we live in. Remember, we're to be uh, not in the world, not to be, we're to be in it, not of it. We're not to be like those people on television. And let's just minister, okay? Who's trying to be like Jesus? This one says in Luke 9, 23. Then he said to them all, oh, not Jesus, he said to them all, if anyone will become, well, excuse me, anyone will come after me, let him deny, talking about following him, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. What to think about that? What is he saying? What is he saying? Walk after me? Sure. Be like me? Sure. Take up thy cross? Take up a religious symbol? No. He said, you're going to walk a hard walk. A hard way. The cross was a death sentence. It's going to be difficult. People are going to mock you, make fun of you. Because they're not making fun of you. They're making fun of Jesus. You have no proof. You have no, listen, the proof. I said it's in the pudding earlier. Folks. It's in the Lord and Savior who lives within you. He's already saved you. You have already been healed. It's an eternal, eternal salvation, eternal healing. Okay, so I'm in pain. Okay, so you're in pain. Physical pain. Sometimes he does heal us physically. But we are already healed. One day, you will be walking with no pain. You are already saved. You're already healed for eternity. You're not going to go to hell. If you ask Jesus in your heart today, I could tell you, you're already healed. You already have it. You've already been healed of these things. Yes, I know sometimes we still give in to the hot-headedness. We already give in sometimes to the loud mouthery. <laughs> I know I sometimes do. By the way, I, I don't want to see any hands. I'm not looking for people. Anyone suffer from loud mouthery? <laughs> he gave me one. Hey, once in a while we do. Once in a while we do. I'm not going to ask you to tell me if you ever slipped and cursed. Anyone who says they never have, God bless you. I'm glad for you. I'm not going to lie to you. I've slipped. I've failed. I've, I've messed up. Anyone ever denied things? I'm not going to ask you for that too. Ever been big-headed? Now, I have been big-headed mostly because I was born that way. I, first time I tried to put on a shirt that was too small for me, I ripped the seams around the neck. I have a big head, literally. Now, in the spiritual sense, there's times I've had a big head, too. A God has changed that. Why do you think I have all these stuff? I'm joking. But in reality, in reality, God can change this in the spiritual sense. He can take care of our pride and other things. Have you ever been a doubter? Oh, I have. I have. I don't mean doubting that Jesus is the Lord and Savior, but a doubter. Oh, God's not going to do that for me. Oh, God, I don't know. I don't. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, let me tell you something. He will whip you and get you in shape, and he, he'll show you if you doubt. Ooh, let me tell you. I've also been very calm, peaceful, persuader, open-minded, tender-hearted. But let me tell you, God has shown me at times I've been tender-hearted for the wrong things. Because that's not what I'm listening to. That's why I'm listening to things of the world. Listen to people that are tricking, tricking me. 
as far as being calm and peaceful, whew, that comes a lot of times with listening to the, it takes a long time to get that way. Ooh, there's a lot of testing. Oh, there's a lot of things that go to that. Amen. Anyone ever gone through that? Oh, boy. That's rough. That's rough. By the way, you calm, tender people, I'm seeing a few of you right now. I'm very proud of you. Very proud of you. God uses you. You may not know it. You may think you're weak. You are not, not weak, you tender people, with tender, strong-willed hearts. I'm so proud of you. It is hard to be tender-hearted when people keep attacking and attacking and attacking over and over again. It is very hard to stay that way. Sometimes you want to get hard-hearted. You want to say, well, fine, I will quit loving people. Fine, I'm not going to be there for anyone anymore. I'm just going to stay in my room, stay in my corner, suck my thumb, and forget anyone who needs anything. I won't be used of God then. No, 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 no. You don't want to be the calloused heart person. Let God use you. Let God use you. That's what we need. I'm now going to turn to Luke 14, 25 through 30. That's a trick of the devil, too, to think that you're going to be tough. Because tough is not good. Anyone ever tried to eat meat that's been in the freezer far too long? <laughs> Woo, it's tough. It's not good. It's tough. You you, you feel like you're eating uh, cooked beef jerky. And let me tell you, beef jerky, folks, God cannot use beef jerky for a soft thing. And by that, I mean, God needs soft, but yet firm Christians. He doesn't want people who think that they're wonderfully to be used if they're beef jerky. He's not looking for beef jerky in the church. He's not looking for that. He doesn't need that kind of thing. Okay. Make sure I'm getting the right part Large crowds, this is uh, Luke 14, 25-33, says, Large crowds went with him, talking about Jesus, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, this is important, hates his father and his mother and his wife and his children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For who among you, intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost to see whether he has resources to complete it. Otherwise, perhaps after he has laid the foundation and is not able to complete it, all who see it will begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to complete it. Or what king, what king, going to wage war against another king, does not sit down first and take counsel whether he will be able with 10,000 to meet him who come against him with 20,000. Otherwise, while the other is yet at a distance, he sends a dele delegation and requests conditions of peace. So likewise, any of you who does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Now, Let's take a look at this. Let's take a look at this. Does this literally mean you're to hate your father, hate your mother, hate your children, hate yourself? No! That would contradict so many other things. It means you don't put these other things before the Lord God, of course. 
It goes with other scriptures. Don't put anything before the Lord God to be his disciple. You have to put God first. You have to put Jesus first. In order to be his disciple, you cannot put other things before the Lord. It has to be Jesus first. Now, we saw earlier, we were talking about the traitors. We were talking about the, the tempted. And that time goes by, we will be tempted to go with the ways of the flesh to follow Satan. But we're to follow the Holy Spirit. So by faith itself, it says in James chapter 2, 17 through 20. So by faith itself, if it has no works, is dead. Faith without works is dead. This is important. James is right. James being Jesus' brother, that's what it says. So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. But a man may say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. This is important because so many people think, hey, I have faith, but they don't do anything for the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's others who think their works alone are going to save them because they don't need anything else. Well, we know works don't get us to heaven, but listen to what it says here. You believe, verse 19, you believe that there is one God and you do well. The demons also believe and tremble. Verse 20, but you but do you want to be shown, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? In other words, as we've said so many times, by our actions, by our witness, we are known. And not to ourselves are we known, but to the glory of God. Let the glory of God be seen in us by the things that God does through us, disciples. And I want to make this point before we end here just shortly. The disciples themselves, we mentioned a moment ago all the characteristics of the disciples. We mentioned that Peter and Andrew's jobs and, and also James and John and possibly Philip, we saw that they were hot-headed. We saw that they were temperamental. We saw that all these things. They're boisterous and all these things. And fanatical was James and passionate was John. But we got to see the change that the Lord Jesus Christ did to them and through them. And we can see that this was not because of what just what Jesus alone did, but what they allowed him to do. Folks, disciples, you are disciples in Jesus Christ. We can see the disciples changed, not in the beginning, but when Jesus Christ came and he started to change them and mold them and make them. It's like having clay. When you first get clay, it is hard. It is hard as a rock sometimes. You ever gotten clay? That you go to mold it and it's like a rock. Oh my goodness. Well, we know Peter was there. Jesus Christ called him a rock. But he was going to build his rock on. How is God going to build a rock on Peter? Simon Peter. That's what Peter means, a rock. How could he build the church upon this hot-headed, kind of an obnoxious guy, really? Not just because he was smelly, a smelly fisherman. He was kind of an obnoxious guy. Doing exactly what God told him. That he was going to do to come after Jesus Christ now. He said, You're going to deny me three times. And what did Peter say? Because listen, Thomas was not the only denier, was he? Peter denied him in that sense. He said, Oh, oh. And, and also, Thomas, Thomas was not the only uh, doubter who considered it. He said, Oh, oh, I'm never going to deny you. Oh, it's never going to happen. Never going to happen. I would never. And he did it, didn't he? He did it. Right then and there, he said, never going to happen, and it happened. He denied him three times, just like he said he wouldn't. He denied him three times. He denied Jesus three times, just like he said he wouldn't. And when that happened, when he did those things, he became exactly what he hoped he would not, just like I'm sure you have, just like I'm sure there's times you 
didn't want to become this type of Christian, but you became that weak Christian at the time. You became a, a hard rock that couldn't be molded, you thought. But when you gave yourself to Jesus, you could be changed. Because Peter, surnamed the rock, Jesus was able to build his rock upon him. And we see in the, the book of Acts that Jesus used Peter, and Peter was the very one that the church was built upon. And when the, the uh, tongues were spoken, the people of the, the all around came to Peter, and God spoke through Peter. Peter changed. Peter is not the same man that started off. Peter is not the same man that started off, just like you. You are not the same man, the same woman that started off when you got saved. You're not the same person now that you were then. When you first came to God, you were afraid. You didn't want to go to hell. You were afraid. You were alone. Maybe you were loud, obnoxious, and everything else. And you say, Pastor, how did you know? <laughs> maybe you were scared. You were so afraid to speak, timid, and everything else. And maybe now you can speak out. Maybe you were afraid to get up in front of the whole world. And maybe today you got up and sang in front of the church. But the point is this, that God can change you slow but sure God can change you and make you something that you didn't know you could be because that's what God does. He can mold you. He can make you. He can take you from being this disgusting-looking clump of clay into making you into another form of himself through you. That's what he can do for you, disciple. The question and the title today is, who are you? And I'm telling you, you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. You are his. You are his. Let him form you. Let him make you to what he wants you to be. You are his. That's who you are. Who are you? I am Jesus's. What he wants me to be, I will become. Not because of what I am, but because what Jesus Christ can make me today. That's what you are. Simon Peter changed. John was very passionate. He was a loudmouth. He was a hothead. He was a son of thunder. But... His passion was changed. He became no longer passionate about, be, about being right, but allowing the one who is right, the way, the truth, the life, to be seen through him. He allowed that wonderful, passionate heart to be seen so that Jesus Christ could be seen through him so that other people could see that love. He was the only one, by the way, the only one who did not die a martyr's death. He lived a long time into this very day his words can be spoken and seen in this word of God. His very day, the one who spoke the words of revelation, the very one who spoke to us many, many times in five books, he spoke to us. To this day, his words are heard. Why? Because of the words of Jesus. Why? Through the Holy Spirit. Why? Because of his passion. We oftentimes misuse the passions that we have. I know I have. Maybe you have too. Allow the Holy Spirit to use it like Mr. Passion John himself. God, now he's known as a loving, patient, kind child of God. Not the son of thunder, a child of God. You can be the same today. James, another son of thunder, he went from being a fanatical, hot-tempered, smelly fisherman to being a radical, radically saved fisher of men. Do you think about that? That's what he went from being, smelly fisherman, being a fisherman. In fact, he was the first one who was a martyr. First one, because people didn't want to hear the word of truth that came from this man's mouth. Jesus can change your loud, obnoxious to a calm and peaceful. He can fix your shy 
to a coffin. He can clean your filthy, sinful tendencies to cleaner than clean by the Holy Spirit. We see this all through the Word of God. All through the Word of God. And I could give you lots of scriptures to this, but I won't. Except I will read you John 13, 35. It says, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The Holy Spirit can show you through Jesus Christ of love for everyone through these things. And so we ask ourselves today, who are you? You're a follower of Christ. People say, who are you? I'm a soldier. Who are you, they say? You say, I am a saint of Christ. And you are. You're saved. They say, who are you? I'm a child of Christ. Who are you? I'm a disciple of Christ. Who are you? I am a Christian. Saved. Sanctified. Sure. Who are you? I am. I am's child. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. When people ask, who are you? And you may ask yourself, who am I? Remember, you are a disciple of Jesus. You are his. You am. I am. That is who you are. Don't ever doubt. And if there is a doubt, you're not Thomas. And if Thomas had those doubts, it's because the devil put it in there. You rebuke it in the name of Jesus. You don't lean on those things. Don't lean on those other emotions that the devil puts into our minds. You lean not on the flesh and those things of the flesh, but on the Holy Spirit that's changing us and molding us and making us every day. You are a disciple. Let us be used of Jesus so that others can seek Christ daily. You know why people want to see you fail? They don't care about you. Pastor, that hurts my feelings. Well, okay. Mine too, but not really though. It has nothing to do with you. They don't want you to be around. They don't like you because they hate Jesus Christ. They hate the disciples because they hate the way of Jesus. You are a disciple, not of yourself. You are a follower of Jesus. Let Jesus be seen in you. Let the change of Christ be seen in you. But pastor, I mess up every day. Me too. But I know one thing. The moment that I start to make the mistake, I say, Lord Jesus Christ, I'm so sorry. Help me, Lord. And he does. He does. He does. And he will do the same for you. We must go to him, not just every day, but every moment of the day, so that we can be a better disciple now than we were a moment ago. Continuously changing following Jesus. And I close by saying this. First of all, I love you, my fellow followers of Jesus. My fellow children of I love you. I trip just like you trip. I hurt like you hurt. I have a sister in Christ who, when we were in Israel, we were at one of the places where Jesus was walking. She tripped, and she was, she was a, she had a little cut on her. She said, "You know, I just realized." She says, "I'm bleeding in the same place where Jesus may have fallen himself." And I got to thinking about that, and I was like, "You know, every time I fall, I fall to mess up." I'm not going to say good for me, 
fall just like others do, but I am going to say, just like others do, we may fall. But when Jesus fell down, and he got back up and picked up that cross and kept on going forward. So when we fall down, we don't just fall down and stay down. We get back up, take up that cross, and follow Jesus Christ. That's the important thing. Not that you stay down, but that you keep going forward. Don't go back. Go forward. Disciples, let's do our job. Stay at the cross. Don't stay at the Stay there. Help. That's what we have to do. Remember. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, says this. Then Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Amen. Let us now bow. Dear Lord God, precious Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I pray to you today, Lord God. I pray to those who do not know you. I pray today that they will come to you, become your child, your disciple, to pick up the cross and follow you. And I pray for those who are already your children, your disciples. I pray that we be more obedient, following you, holding on to the cross, not putting that cross down, not leaving it on the side of the road, but be completely obedient to you, holding on to it tight. I pray, Lord God, that no matter what occurs, that we be thankful, thankful for your love, for the strength that you give us. I pray for all these things. If there be anyone here today who needs to come forward, who needs strength, Lord Jesus, that they're afraid to do so, that you're timid to do so, I pray right now, Lord God, you bless them with great courage. I pray you give them great courage so that they know that you're with them even now at this moment. I pray, Lord God, that you give them power. I pray you give them strength every single day die to themselves, and to live strong. In Jesus, holy and precious name, I do pray these things. Amen.